0: The word of the Lord from John chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also, and you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear hearers in Christ, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God believe also in me. That seems like a very Jesus-like thing for Jesus to say to his disciples, but it's still remarkable when you consider when he says it. This is the Last Supper, the evening before his death. In the minutes just before, he's taken off his outer robes, wrapped a towel around his waist, and washed the disciples' feet, It's the sort of thing that the lowliest of servants would do. When he's finished the foot washing and returns to his place, John 13, 21 tells us that Jesus is troubled in his spirit, and he tells the disciples that one of them will betray him. The disciples are distressed and terribly confused as Judas departs. And after he's been swallowed up by the night, Jesus resumes teaching the eleven, And this leads to Peter vowing to lay down his life for Jesus, whereupon Jesus foretells that Peter will deny him three times before the rooster crows. So ponder that setting. A few days before, the disciples were following Jesus into the city while people were shouting his praises and laying their coats on the ground because his feet were too precious to be touching ordinary dust. Now Jesus has just washed ordinary dust off of ordinary feet, demonstrating that he is a servant of all, who is about to die for all. Then he declares that one of his closest followers will betray him and another will deny him. The disciples could hardly be more off balance and alarmed than that moment. Everything is falling apart, and that's when Jesus says it. If ever there was a time, they might expect Jesus to say, this is it, time to panic. This is the moment. Or if he said, if you think you've got it bad, remember you're not the one who's going to the cross tomorrow. Could kind of see that too. But instead he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. He's about to be arrested, humiliated, and crucified. And he's the guy who's telling them, let not your hearts be troubled. It's as if he's saying, since my spirit is troubled, your hearts need not be. Which is pretty profound when you consider that he's bearing their sin away. And he will bear that hellish trouble all on his own on the cross Believe in God, believe also in me, says Jesus. That's also a remarkable few words because Jesus puts himself on par with the Father. If you're going to believe in God, then it only follows that you'll believe in Jesus too because he's God in the flesh. That's also a difficult truth apart from faith, both because reason says it sounds ridiculous and because your old sinful nature doesn't want to entertain the possibility. But it will be even more difficult in just a few hours for the disciples when Jesus is beaten, bloodied, and breathing his last. Believing that God washes your feet makes God so humble and meek already. Believing that God submits to crucifixion That's outrageous. But here is Jesus saying, Believe in God, believe also in me. You can't have one without the other. You cannot have the Father without the Son. Why is all this happening? In my Father's house are many rooms, says Jesus. If it were not so... Would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Now, this is a beautiful picture of heaven especially when you consider that the Gospel of John begins with the truth that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Remember that the word for dwelt there literally means tented. In John 1, it's meant to remind you of Israel bumping along through the wilderness between Egypt and the Promised Land. And how God was with them, dwelling in the most holy place in the tent called the tabernacle the whole time they were on the move. Now Jesus has become flesh to dwell, to tent among his people, to lead them out of bondage to sin and on to the kingdom of heaven. He's pitched his tent among them so that they can be settled in his father's house a far more permanent dwelling forever. And that's why all of this is happening. It's all according to plan. You know the way to where I am going, says Jesus, because he's been telling them the way for the past three years. It's Thomas who points out the obvious flaw when he says... Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? No matter what Jesus has taught them, everything he's been saying recently indicates that he's about to die, and everybody knows that death is the opposite of life. It's the farthest thing from it. If Jesus is going to a cross and a tomb in the next few hours, then it's obvious that he isn't going anywhere. In Thomas's thinking, there is no way to the Father's house if Jesus is heading for the grave. Careful, by the way, since you've already been shouting he is risen indeed, it's it's easy to smile at Thomas's naivete here and say, "Oh, what figures he is doubting Thomas after all." If you've never been offended that the way to eternal life goes through the grave until Jesus comes again in glory, you will be. One of the reasons for staying in the word and making church a habit is so that you can work through all that before you're staring death in the face. The Lord sustain your faith. Back to Thomas's words. We do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? That's a big, persistent misunderstanding. It's the idea that Jesus has come as merely the guide to salvation, the one who tells us what we must do to get there. It's why Jesus' response to Thomas is so incredibly profound. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What a great verse, and a well-known verse. Since I can remember, this has been a proof text for proving that Jesus is the only way to heaven. That's true, and it's in the text, but here's my question. Is this verse law, or is it gospel? Gospel. See, I hear it used by folks to counter the idea that all religions are just different expressions of the same God, which would make God a very muddle-headed deity. In response to that fantastic, untenable notion, someone whips out John 14:6 and says, "...but Christianity is the only way because Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me." Again, it's true, but using the verse this way is a little bit like spilling coffee and using your best outfit instead of a paper towel to mop it up. There's a greater treasure in this verse. Don't miss the good news that Jesus declares. First of all, there is a way to heaven, and that is good news. The world is going to grouse at Christians claim an exclusive way of salvation, but one way is far more than we deserve. I've likened this before to a group of people trapped in a burning building, dark and smoke-filled, and suddenly a firefighter bursts into the room where they are and says, follow me, there's a way out and I know what it is. I don't think anybody in the group is going to say, I find it terribly unfair that there's only one way to escape death. I'm pretty sure everybody's going to be happy that there is an escape. So it is with this verse. I get a little bit peeved when I hear Christians use it only to bludgeon other people when we ought to be delivering this good news as the best ever. There is a way to heaven. It is through Jesus And he has died for all, that whoever believes in him might not perish, but have everlasting life. Even better, the way is not just through Jesus. The way is Jesus. And this might be even better news than you think. When we think of the word way, it has a couple of common definitions. One is a method or way of doing something, and another is a path or a road for traveling along. Sometimes when people hear that Jesus is the way, they think method, and so their faith is something along the lines of, if I follow Jesus and do enough of what he does and what he tells me to do, then I will get to heaven. Sometimes when they hear of Jesus as the way, they think path, and so their faith is something along the lines of, if I follow Jesus, he will show me the path to go to have eternal life. That's far more complicated than what Jesus is saying. To the one who says, if I do enough of what Jesus does, I'll go to heaven, Jesus responds, But I've already done more than enough because I've done it all, and I credit you with it. If you have me, all that I've done is yours. I am the way. Likewise to the one who says, Jesus will show me the way to go to eternal life. Jesus responds, I've already walked that road from cross to grave to hell and back, then to heaven, and I give you the credit for that too. If you have me, then you have eternal life before you ever get near the grave, and your death will just be asleep before you wake up in glory. I am the way. I'm not sure how better to explain this. But remember, just before Easter, we heard the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead? You know, Jesus said to Martha, Your brother will rise again. And she said, I know he will rise in the last day. And that's when Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, remember... Lazarus doesn't need the last day because the last day doesn't raise anybody from the dead. Lazarus needs me, Jesus, and I'm here today. Then Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead because he is there that day. Lazarus has life because Jesus is there. It's the same here. If you have Jesus, you have the way to the Father's house. You also have the Father because the Son is in the Father and the Father is in the Son. They are distinct persons of the Holy Trinity, but they are one God. And since Jesus has gone to the Father and credits you with his going, the Father is yours too. In fact, Jesus even says to Philip, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. To have Jesus is to have the way, the truth, and the life now, right now, done. I'll give a little nod to the disciples in their distress because they're with Jesus at the moment, but it's hard to be with Jesus when he's crucified and buried. In the meantime, they have his word, including his promise that he'll rise again on the third day. And until then, he's got to make his way through death and hell to be the way to heaven for us. In fact, let's say that from another angle. Because your way naturally leads from life to death, he becomes flesh and takes your way from life to death. Then the sinless Son of God extends that way by breaking out of the grave. And since he moves on to eternal life and then joins you to himself by your baptism, he extends your way forever too. If you are the Lord's, you have that life now. This next bit may sound terribly unexciting, but it's very comforting. The life of the Christian is to hold on to what you've already got While sin, death, and devil are trying to get you to give it up. And you've already got life because Jesus has won it and gives himself to you. Stay with Jesus where he is and the way, the truth, and the life are yours. That's why you treasure that you were baptized Because you were named by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and because Jesus credited the way by joining you to his death and resurrection. It's why you treasure his word and his supper now, because that's where Jesus is for you. And where Jesus the way is, there is truth and life for you too. Let not your hearts be troubled.